0: Good morning. morning. Before sharing uh, my message with you this morning, I want to take a personal moment to express my gratitude for this opportunity to be here with you. As a Presbyterian minister and a longtime friend of Sarah's, I've been amazed at the journey of this congregation over this past decade. From the sharing of space at Kenilworth and the Old Westminster Church, to the transfer of property, to the building of the tiny home village, the story of Land of Sky and 15 Overbrook is a remarkable one. I have known from the beginning the commitment you made as a congregation to witness to the extravagant welcome of God as you seek to live justly and love abundantly and walk humbly in the ways of Jesus. This welcome has, a, has had an impact on our community and an immediate impact on my family in real ways. Several years ago, when our state legislature and governor passed HB2, the so-called bathroom bill, our family found support for many of your members. As a parent of a transgender child, I am grateful for the ways that all of you embody God's welcome for everyone. And I am blessed that my partner Julie has found a church home here with you. Would you you join with me now in a moment of prayer? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for your extravagant love that names us and claims us as your beloved in the midst of all the voices from within and from without that tell us that we are not worthy of your love, help us to claim the truth of our identity as your precious ones. Holy God, pour out your spirit upon us so that we may hear the good news and go forth to live in the light of your love. Amen. As Talise has already told us, according to the church calendar, the first Sunday after Epiphany is the Sunday that we always remember the baptism of Jesus. The gospel tells the story of Jesus, we think, when he was probably about 30 years old, um, being baptized in the River Jordan by his cousin, John the Baptist. The heavens are opened up and the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. And we hear this revelation, this epiphany. This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Though John initially objects to the idea that he would baptize Jesus along with all the others, Jesus, in his humility, insists that it has to happen. So at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus is baptized by the Holy Spirit. And he is given a name, the Beloved. And after a time of testing in the wilderness, he begins his mission, proclaiming the good news of God's love and justice for all. Traditionally, our understanding of baptism is rooted in the story of Jesus' baptism. Like Jesus, we believe that in the waters of baptism, God names us and claims us as beloved children of God. We often use the language of adoption when we talk about baptism. And in the reformed tradition that both the UCC and Presbyterian denominations share, we celebrate that God's initiating initiating love is the one that welcomes us as members of the household of faith often before we are even old enough to make that choice for ourselves. And whether you've been actually baptized or not, we believe it is by God's grace that we all belong to God. Baptism doesn't make us worthy of God's love. In fact, it's just the opposite. In baptism, we celebrate the reality that we already belong to God who loves us and will never let us go. So this morning, I want to begin by turning our attention to the first reading, the one from the prophet Isaiah. I've become convinced that our understanding of baptism and the Christian faith can only be deepened if we recognize that the the God of the New Testament is the same God we experience in the Hebrew scriptures. The God of Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, the God of Israel is the same. God of Jesus. I believe today's lesson from the prophet Isaiah has much to teach us not only about God but also our identity as God's people. The prophet Isaiah nearly 2600 years ago addressed the people who were living in exile. They had been taken away from their home and they were prisoners in Babylon knowing that their beloved home Jerusalem along with their temple, had burned to the ground. Their world had been rocked, and the promises God made to their ancestors were now in jeopardy. They were wondering, how could this happen to God's chosen people? Didn't God promise to protect us always? in the first 39 chapters of his long book, Isaiah hammers home the conviction that it was because of Israel's disobedience that God had allowed them to be punished in this way. This is very similar to the long book of Job, where Job's friends hammer home in the beginning, Job, it's because of your sins that you have suffered this. Because they were unfaithful in keeping the commandments to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God, Israel now is experiencing God's punishment through the hands of the captors, is is what Isaiah said at first. But when we get later into the book, here in chapter 43, we hear something different. We hear these remarkable words. But now thus says the Lord, the one who created you, O Jacob, The one who formed you, O Israel. Do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Indeed, Isaiah has good news to proclaim. Israel has nothing to be afraid of anymore. Fire and water, which are both symbols of destruction and chaos, these things will not have the last word. And why is this the case? Has Israel done anything to deserve or earn God's forgiveness? God's saving hand? No, It has nothing that the peop- has nothing to do with what the people have done. God's mercy is not based on their repentance. Instead, God's salvation simply comes as a gift. Do not fear, I have called you by name. You are mine, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. The one who formed Israel is now the one who has come to save and redeem them. The language here is very intimate. As one commentator of this text has said, God doesn't speak to the people like a king on a throne pronouncing an edict. But rather, God speaks like a lover whose heart is bursting, who has waited an eternity just to say their name. God goes so far as to say to Israel, you are precious in my eyes. You are honored, and I love you. Several years ago, I saw the highly acclaimed movie called Precious. Maybe some of you remember that. It won several Oscars and is a powerful yet very pain-filled movie. Precious tells the story of Clarice Precious Jones, a young woman whose life is literally a hell. Abused in every way possible by her parents, Precious Precious struggles as an overweight African-American teenager growing up in the projects of New York City. Though based on a work of fiction, the story speaks of the dark realities of incest and abuse that too many children in our world face. And though the movie follows the struggles of a family growing up in poverty, we know that the reality of abuse cuts across all socioeconomic and racial categories. The story of Precious struggles is not an easy one to watch, so just I want to say that to you up front. But it is an important story that has many lessons. Through the love and concern of a teacher and a community of friends at an alternative high school, Precious is able throughout the movie to gain the courage to leave the cage of abuse and to embrace life on her own terms. Though her parents have told her that she is worthless and dumb and have used her for their own evil purposes, Precious is brave enough to believe that she is much more than that. But it is not an easy journey for her. Throughout the movie, we see how Precious copes with her situation by often imagining herself to be someone else, a glamorous singer or a skinny blonde model. Looking in the mirror, she, can, she cannot see value in her own self, but often disassociates to imagine a better life as someone else. But near the end of the movie, under the supervision of a social worker, Precious decides to meet with her mother, to confront her and to talk with her about why she no longer wants to move back home. But on the way up to the meeting with the social worker, something amazing happens. Precious glances into a nearby mirror, and she sees something remarkable. She no longer sees the reflection of a glamorous singer or a skinny skinny blonde. Rather, for the first time, she sees her reflection clearly. She is Clarice Precious Jones. And she is ready to move forward with her life. It has been said that when we look into the waters of baptism, we see a reflection of who we truly are, beloved and precious children of God. Though there are many dark forces from within and from without that want to tell us something different, like the voices that told Clarice that she was worthless and dumb, unworthy of receiving true love, As people of faith, we know that the one true voice is the one spoken by God to us at our birth. You are my beloved child. You are precious, and I love you. Such love for us sometimes is hard to receive, and often in our success-oriented world, we want to somehow measure our worthiness by how well we are doing according to the world's standards our status, our wealth, our so-called successes. And when we compare ourselves to others, and social media has a really good way of making us do that, even if we're not aware of it or not. When we compare ourselves to others, we can fall into the trap of self-rejection, beating ourselves up because we believe that somehow we're not worthy. The late, great theologian, Henry Nowen, calls self-rejection as the greatest enemy of the spiritual life because it contradicts the sacred voice that calls us the beloved. And when bad things happen to us, when the world or others living in it are not kind, it is easy to doubt the truth of our identity that we are God's beloved and precious children. Sometimes, as spiritual people, we assume that our faith will make it easy for us, that it will automatically keep us protected from the dangerous world around us. But that is not what the scriptures tell us. Remember again the words of Isaiah. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. You are precious in my sight. Isaiah doesn't say if you pass, but rather he says when. When you pass through the waters, the rivers, the fires, and the flames of life. And as we all know, the chaos of life is all around us. When you or a loved one gets a tough diagnosis from a doctor, when the relationship you are in is broken beyond repair, When you may lose your job and find yourself drowning in the waters of depression or anxiety or addiction, these things can happen to any of us. Indeed, as children of God, we know that we are somehow not magically shielded from harm or tragedy or the brokenness of life. Yes, the fire and the floods will come to all of us. But here is the good news. When these things do happen, even then, God promises to be with us, and God assures us, you are precious in my sight. As followers of the one who was declared God's beloved in the waters of baptism, The radical good news of the gospel is that we belong to a God who loves us with a love that is costly, a love that cannot be earned but only received as a gift, a love that is celebrated every time we remember and claim our identity through the waters of baptism. To believe that our identity as God's beloved is given to us, rather than something we discover or earn on our own, is truly an amazing thing. To trust in this identity, despite how others may define us, despite how we may even reject ourselves, this is not an easy thing to do. This assurance, though, is what we need if we are to take up the cross and follow Jesus each day, a response full of joy, but also one of risk and sacrifice. So this morning, as as we begin this new year full of promise and uncertainty, I invite all of us to remember who we are and whose we are, beloved and precious children of God. My prayer for you this coming year, as your congregation continues to witness to the radical welcome of God, is that you will not forget your identity as God's beloved children, an identity that each of us has individually, but also an identity together as a community of faith. With joy and thanksgiving, let us Rejoice in the power of God's love. Amen. Amen.